Hello, good morning, and welcome to Step Up Nigeria's podcast. Our podcast is an initiative built to create awareness of governance issues that highlight the cost of corruption and its impact on service delivery. Um, on our podcast today, our topic is vaccinating children against corruption. Is storytelling an effective vaccine to prevent corruption? We'll be answering that question and more in this podcast. Um, to discuss this podcast with me this morning, I have my executive director in the person of Ms. Oni O. Um, and Oni is the director for Step Up Nigeria's monitoring and evaluation um, in terms of providing the accurate results from the work that we're doing. Um, and Step Up Nigeria carried out an impact evaluation trial um, using a randomized control trial method. And we'll be discussing a bit more about that through the course of this podcast. Um, so I would like to start by asking Oni to um, explain to us what do you mean by vaccinating children against corruption? Yeah, thank you so much, Farami. So for vaccinating children against corruption, literally, I would call it, you know, using what I call the C approach, which is one, showing children the cost of corruption and benefits of integrity through stories, educating children on the on anti-corruption values, so such as like transparency, accountability, integrity, they need to be fair, they need to be honest, and then empowering children to promote integrity and act against corruption. So for me, these three elements together, you know, it's a, it's a nice, it's a, it's a way of, you know, vaccinating children for the future, you know, against corruption in the future. Thank you very much, Oni. Um, so next, we'd like to know, South Nigeria carried out a randomized impact evaluation trial in the first quarter of um, the year 2021, and that was done to test the effectiveness of storytelling in preventing corrupt behaviors in children or in influencing them to act with integrity. So can you tell us a bit about why, you know, you chose storytelling, why you storytelling in preventing corrupt behaviors? Yeah, thank you for me. So Step Up Nigeria, one of the reasons why Step Up Nigeria was set up in the first place was really to begin to tackle some of these social norms that drive or enable corrupt behaviours. Um, and one of the ways that we, uh, we've been experimenting to, you know, to see as an approach to tackle this, you know, challenging problem is to use storytelling. And the reason why we've, story, we've chosen storytelling is because, you know, story, everybody likes stories, right? And for me, I think storytelling simplifies messages, you know, so it takes something complex, you know, and simplifies it in a, in a fun way. Um, so we, 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 we are using storytelling to simplify the messaging around corruption. We don't want it to be a boring topic for the children or something too difficult for them to understand. So we have to break the, comp- and the, the, the meaning of corruption by using stories, you know, using stories to explain that concept of corruption is caused to society, you know, why it is bad and that sort of thing and how they can take action. And we also use storytelling as well because we feel it's a fun way to educate children again, you know, around um, um, anti-corruption values, you know, and the need to act with integrity. And we hope that also stories you know, we use storytelling to be able to inspire action because, as you know, stories have, you know, characters in them. Um, and so it's to begin to create those trendsetters, you know, from the stories that children can look up to, you know, and that may inspire them to act, you know, against um, corruption and promote integrity. Thank you very much, Oni, um, for that response. And I think storytelling is, is quite interesting for all the reasons that you've given to um, catch the interest of young people. Um, so we'd like to know for this um, experiment that was carried out, who was the target um, for this evaluation? 
Yeah, thank you. So the targets were school children aged 10 to 15 years in junior secondary school two and junior secondary school three, so what we call JS two and three. Um, and the total number of children that we targeted were 1,185 across Lagos, Abuja and Kaduna um, and across 38 schools as well. And so, and, and the, though we had two different things, we te- two different types of storytelling tools we tested. So we tested the films and books. So for the films, we had 22 schools and for the books, we had 16 schools. Okay, thank you. Um, what, what states did you carry this out in? Lagos, then the Federal Capital Territory, Abuja, and then Kaduna. Okay, all right. Thank you very much. Um, so can you tell us a bit more about the randomization process and the intervention itself? Okay, so let me start with the randomization process. So we really did the simple randomization process where we had equal number of control group and equal number of treatment groups. Control group are those that don't receive the intervention that we want to give, um, and the treatment groups are those that actually receive the intervention. And the randomization was done at the at the individual level, but before then, we had to randomize at the school level. So where schools that were interested to participate, you know, first of all, we ex- we did some kind of expression of interest, you know, where we, we try to get schools' interest to participate to them what we're doing. Um, and then once schools indicated their interest to participate, we randomized schools. Um, and then after randomizing schools, randomizing schools, the classes we're targeting, which is the junior secondary school two and junior secondary school three, that's just two and three, we also randomized those classes before the actual day of the trial. Then on the day of the trial, we randomize at the child at the child level. So we randomize the students, you know, on the day of the trial. So meaning that nobody knew at any point until the day of trial, including us in Step Up Nigeria, where, who was going to be in the intervention group or who was going to be in the control group. So that's the whole idea of the randomization. So nobody knows, you know, nobody until the day that we're actually conducting the trial. And we also use the phase design approach, you know, where those in the control group receive this treatment afterwards. So even though they didn't receive it during the trial, but afterwards they still ended up, you know, benefiting from what was given to the intervention. Um, And the whole idea around this was to do no harm policy that we have, because we also have some ethical principles that we had to follow while conducting this trial. Um, And of course, the randomization itself uh, during the, you know, at the class level where we're randomizing at the student level was done verbally with children taking turns, you know, either saying the name of colors, or cartoon characters, and in some instances, we also use ballot papers as well. And then you asked about the intervention, right? So yes. the intervention, so like we, we you know, we, what we're trying to test is the effectiveness of storytelling, right? You know, in, you know, in influencing children to act with integrity. Um, and Step Up Nigeria uses a range of storytelling tools. So we use films, animated films, and we use um, books, we use comics. But for this trial, we used, um, we wanted to test, you know, use the film to see to what extent, you know, people who watch the film without any kind of teaching, just watching the film alone, the um, anti-corruption film we had, we're going to act with integrity. And then anti-corruption animated film we used for the purpose of this trial was um, A Maker's Money. And then we also used, did like a different, second intervention, storytelling intervention we, we used was, what we call participatory book reading, which is also another storytelling intervention Step Up Nigeria uses, where 
we read along with the children and in the process of reading we also try to give up you know tease out the key lessons learned so we do a little bit more teaching and engagement than with the film where they just watch the film is whatever the message from the film gives so we did so those were the two interventions we did so and we didn't do them concurrently we had a set of trials that just looked at the impact of the film and the second intervention a set of trials that just look at the impact of the books on on children's behavior thank you very much for that overview Oni. um so next we'd like to know what um what what measures did you use like what did you use to measure this intervention um and what were some of the outcomes that you're expecting from these storytelling interventions yeah thanks for so for the for the expected outcomes one of the one of the things we wanted to find out where first of all the first thing we wanted to find out was to what extent our storytelling tools increase the knowledge and attitudes increase knowledge of corruption as well as you know would lead to a positive change in attitudes towards corruption among the targeted children and then the more importantly what we're really trying to find out was also to, to see to what extent children were going to demonstrate strong anti-corruption values you know or positive behaviors, you know, either acting with integrity after taking part in either the participatory book reading session or the film. And so to measure that, we had to think, we had to be a bit creative because, you know, at the end of the day, these are children and they haven't been exposed to much, you know. Um, I mean, let me not say they haven't been exposed. Some children are really quite exposed to, you know, corruption issues, actually, that it impacts some children, but they haven't, not all of them would have experienced, you know, they didn't want to do harm or expose them to something because of the trial. and. Um, particularly those in the in the control group, we're not necessarily going to be told anything right or wrong till after the trial. So we need to be, be, be careful in how we designed the interventions. We have to think about what children experienced that was close to kind of a corrupt behavior, if you know what I mean. Um, and we thought about cheating. And then we tried to create a corruption scenario as well around that cheating. But I'll come to that. So what we tried to measure was to what extent if people watched the film, we're going to cheat for themselves so cheat for others or whether we're going to cheat at all, whether there'll be any evidence of cheating. So we're measuring cheating for yourself, cheating for others, or no evidence of cheating. And, you know, as part as a measurement tool to see if people, after watching the film, you know, we're acting with integrity. Thank you. So I wanted to also ask, you know, in terms of like getting consent from, you know, the children and um, the parents in schools, if you can just talk a bit about getting that, um, made that possible. Yes, yeah, sorry, what did you mean in terms of... Consent. Um, how were you able to get children and schools to consent? Oh yes, exactly. So definitely. So we had to first of all sign before we drew as part of the process during the planning process. When you know when we go to schools, we have to give them the consent form, which they give to the children's parents. So there was consent at the school level. There was consent at the parent level, and even the child. We did not force any child to participate, even if the school and the parents have said, "Oh, it's fine for them to participate." If children did not feel like doing that on the day, because I didn't know they are children, and we have to ensure that we do no harm, we just excluded them from the from the session. Thank you very much, Oni. Um, so, how did you test for cheating? Yes. Yeah, so, like I said, we um, what we did was first of all, as you know, we randomized them at the beginning, so they were divided into control and treatment groups, and then so we had like a maths and English, you know. Um, test competition um, and we told them you know we told them that look you know this is we're going to have this you know a, this competition and if you do very well you're going to get high you know some you know wonderful some nice gifts or you know there's going to be a high reward so we gave them very tough math and English questions but with with a promise to get you know you know 
wonderful presence of exciting presence at the end, which motivated the children. So the children were quite eager because of, you know, of in taking part in the test because they wanted to get those and um, to get the reward. Um, and so for the maths test, I think we tested for people were given to, what we did was to, um, first of all, what we did was to give them, like I said, we created a corruption scenario. Um, we created a, we created a situation where, wanted to say if with the children were given the power to self-mark their scripts, you know, would they do the right thing? So we give them, we give them the answer sheets. And so we give them the power to mark their scripts. Um, and what we're trying to create here was, you know, a bit of even a corruption scenario in the sense that we know corruption happens, you know, when people kind of have the power sometimes, you know, to do that is they have that power, they have the authority um, and they also have the discretion and they also have access to resources, you know. And um, so in this case, we wanted to see to what extent the children, you know, put them in that, you know, by giving them the answer sheets, you know, and giving them everything they need at their disposal with no one watching them, where they're going to, so they have the power to self-mark their scripts. And so it was at their discretion to either mark their scripts, you know, with integrity or choose to alter their scores, you know. Exactly. So that was what we, that's how, how we try to test, you know, um, and we also give them blue pens to write and the black pens for marking to be able to enable us to determine when cheating would have occurred or not occurred. And then we also try to look out for anybody who altered the scores or marked wrong answers right. So that was how we, you know, tested for cheating. And it was quite interesting, actually, um, you know, to see still, like, even, you know, like the children's you know, behavior from that process. Yeah, thank you very much. And, um, just as you're running through the process again, I think, you know, as someone who was part of the implementation team in schools, um, even just the idea of changing pens, I think in thinking through the whole um, experiment, children actually found those little things fun and exciting, just changing color yeah. and the matching process. So just, to, you know, it wasn't such a serious process. Children actually yeah. found um, even the challenge of answering mm -hmm. the question and trying to finish first and getting them actually quite quite exciting. Mm -hmm. um, so what were the key findings and results from this process? So one of the, the key things we found are that the storytelling interventions, at least using films and books, reduced cheating behaviours by 20% and 21% compared to the control group. That was really, you know, glaring. Um, and both, we saw that both the film screening and participatory book reading sessions brought down cheating, um, you know, both of them brought down cheating, you know, compared to the control groups, like I mentioned earlier, and 59 out of every 100 people from what we saw are likely not to cheat after watching the film, while 50 out of 100 people who read the books, the anti-corruption story books, you know, were, were less likely, you know, to cheat. And um, from this, what we found was that the film seemed to have a bit more impact as well, you know, on motivating people to act, you know. And we also, generally as well, we found that those in the treatment group, you know, demonstrated a stronger understanding of corruption, obviously, because, you know, they watched an anti-corruption film and they read an anti-corruption storybook. So I guess that was why they, there was that um, strong understanding of corruption. And we saw as well an increased motivation by students who watched the film, particularly the film. I mean... Both of them, there were motivation, but with the film, we saw more motivation by students, you know, who watched the film to tackle corruption. And I found that quite interesting because we didn't really, just the film told the story, did film did the teaching, you know, and tells it the power of films, really. Um, and then what was interesting is after three to four months, we went back, we still tried to finalise this result, but preliminary findings, you know, for the, we did like what we call the end line RCT, where we repeated 
the same process, like I had mentioned earlier. The only thing we did was to just change the mass and question because we're dealing with the same group of people, so we changed the mass and English questions, slightly still tough questions, you know, um, and we saw that it was reduction in cheating behaviors by 16%. So you can see that there was a bit of a, the way, there was a, there was a bit of a downward slope. Um, and that was also an interesting find, meaning that it does this mean that, we, you know, for so storytelling to be effective, like over a long period of time, do we need to sustain, you know, that intervention or do mm -hmm. we, that, for me, what it showed me was just like definitely one of interventions cannot work when it comes to, you know, changing behavior and corruption education. Thank you very much. Um, so it sounds like um, a, a process um, that might have a bit of complication in terms of following the steps. Um, so I'd like to know, were there any challenges that were faced um, um, in the process of running this RCT or any lessons learned that will impact future RCTs? Yeah, so some of the challenges faced were like, the, I think some schools were being a bit skeptical, um, you know, of basically when you're going to give their children tests, you know, they were a bit worried, like, because, you know, schools don't want to um, come out like looking, looking like they're not, you know, academically sound or their kids are not, you know, don't, you know, are not academically sound. So, mm -hmm. or, you know, so there was this, they wanted to be like the school with high, high grades. So they were a bit worried about, you know, this test and assessment. And I think some of them were also being, they're trying to convince school that it was not a, an assessment of whether their students cheat. So there was this thing of whether it made, you know, their their students look, you know, like people who were dishonest and they were not doing a good job in, you know, in having a, you know, a school um, with students who act with integrity. So I think there was already that thing. So they didn't really want a bad name and we tried to, so what we did was to try to convince them that this was not really a, you know, about the school. This was just for us to improve our methods, you know, our storytelling intervention and to really understand if it's working or not working when it comes to influencing children to act with integrity. Um, and you were also in the field, but I know some of the field um, um, researchers, you know, the people who carried out this in the classroom, some of those staff mentioned teachers mm -hmm. working in, in and out of the classroom. So you were there, I'm sure you would have experienced that. So mm -hmm. there were cases of teachers working out of class, which was a bit distracting for the students. Um, some students in the control group also felt left out. That was also reported by um, yeah. field observers like you who were there during the process, you know, and, and I could relate with that. That's something we really tried, you know, not to happen. But luckily it was just one school, just few schools, you know, that that happened. You know, so the, because the, what we did was the control group, what I didn't mention earlier, was why the intervention groups watched the, the film or read the books, the control, those in the control group. And um, we just engaged them on what did you know what they felt about COVID nineteen. So I think they felt cheated having somebody people in the other class watching this exciting movie and they're just discussing COVID nineteen. Um, and I'll come to what we're trying to do to 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 um, change that and soon. But also some schools also experienced power outages, which just delayed the sessions or made some of the sessions you know we had mm -hmm. to watch you know, compared to what we would have wanted to do, um, you know, if we had um, you know electricity supply um like we had electricity. Um, and also for the end line RCTs, one of the things we found was also a drop, you know, a dropout rate. And then either students were not in school that day or, you know, so we didn't have all the students who participated in the initial RCT, you know, participated in during the end line RCT. Now you mentioned lessons learned. So lessons learned in terms of the RCT itself, terms of the process, I'll say that one of the things we've we will, I think we'll do better next time when we are conducting the RCTs next year or the randomized, sorry, the randomized impact evaluation is really ensuring that we take time to explain 
talking to the students in the control group before it starts mm. that, you know, they would eventually also watch this film in a couple of months. For now, these people are watching this film or doing this and that they will all get what this other class is getting, you know, and um, because so that they don't feel. So we tell them that the next time we come, they would have the intervention while they, the treatment group will be doing what they're doing at the moment. So it's just because we can't have everybody in the same room. So we we'll try to explain that to the students. And they would also make the, we'll try to see to what extent we can make the intervention a little bit similar, but still capture. So for example, if we, we did an anti-corruption animated film, you know, where they watch mm-hmm. it because money. So maybe we look for a random film that is not anti-corruption related, that doesn't have anything around anti-corruption values. It's just like, of just a, you know, a fun film with none of those messaging. You know, just you know, just a fun film for the kids, and maybe that way that would be, the people would not feel left. Out. So we'd explore that option. The same thing with those in the book reading as well. Um, also, like I mentioned earlier, corruption films appeared more impactful in motivating children compared to the participatory mm-hmm. book reading, which I still find quite intriguing. But it's, we're going to do more tests to see whether this is still the case. But we'd love to see if in future RCTs where we have the same group of people watch the film, also read the book. So have, rather than have one session, maybe we'd explore based on budget, availability of our budget, we'll see what our budget can allow us to do. But what I want us to do early next year is to actually have, um, rather than have one intervention, have two interventions concurrently with the same group. So the, the group, the first session will be to watch the film, maybe the next session will be to read a different book, but that's an description related. And then we see to what extent, you know, having those two doses, you know, of the storytelling intervention, you know, would... Um, lead to more, um, you know, increased number of children who are acting with integrity as opposed to when they just have, you know, single dose um, of interventions. And so it's something that we're going to explore, you know, from the lessons that we've learned from the from the last RCT. Thank you. Thank you very much, Wayne. That was quite um, clear and quite interesting, like you said. Um, again, from the field, challenges, I think you captured the challenges um Accurately. Um, another challenge I think we faced, which you've already said we'll work harder to, is, is sort of communicating. Um, sometimes I suspect that some children, you know, really did not explain to their parents what they were doing. They just said, feel this form feels. And some parents who actually didn't even read. Because the concept from that we shared to parents actually outlined the process step by step. It was quite clear um, so that parents knew what their children were engaging in. But I do suspect that um, some parents didn't um, read through. So I think one thing we can do going forward is get the schools to send, I mean, they have like WhatsApp platforms or mm-hmm. those kind of, so and ensure that the school gives a clear directive to all the parents on the group chat, oh, your kids are coming home with this consent form, mm-hmm. please give them access so that yeah, parents, definitely. yeah, don't just rely on whatever the children tell them as well. So I think that would be something. Yeah. So um, finally, I would like to know, so from your findings, would you then say that storytelling is an effective vaccine to prevent corruption? I would say, <laughs> that's, yeah, interesting question for me, but I'll say storytelling has a strong potential. I want to use that, but it has a strong potential to improve the knowledge and attitudes, you know, of children. Um, you know, when it comes to, you know, corruption issues, I think it has a strong potential to influence the behavior of children to actress integrity, um, and I think because it's also storytelling helps to increase that understanding of corruption, it may be also be helpful to motivate in motivating children, you know, to act with integrity. Um, and so I say, yes, so I think that definitely, you know, it has that potential. And but what I found as well is that the storytelling seems to be has more impact in building personal integrity. Now, it may be too early to conclude, maybe more 
a randomized impact trials will really tell us if this is the case. But I currently where where I stand, what I see that is more impactful in building personal integrity um, than in addressing some of those social pressures, which is around people wanting to help their friends or families, you know, and that so in order not to be ostracized. You know, I'll be interested to see to what extent that can actually help that, you know, and that area of targeting those social norms that enable corruption in Nigeria at least. And then for storytelling interventions to effectively address those social norms, I'm thinking as well that you know, it's sustained intervention we may really be needed. We need to, the message may need to be, you know, go on for a long time for it to sink in and for people to be able to take that risk to sacrifice their friendships or family, you know, over, you know, prioritizing integrity over, you know, like pleasing their family or friends, you know, um, at the expense of the pub, you know, for public good. So it's that sort of thing that I think the storytelling could have a potential to do. Yeah, thank you very much, Oye. And thank you all for listening. Um, if any of our listeners has any questions around um, the impact evaluation trial, please do comment in the chat, comment in our website, share your comments with us on social media after you listen. We'll be very glad to answer your questions. Um, and to do that on our social media platforms, please um, visit us at step underscore up underscore Nigeria at Twitter and Instagram and Step Up Nigeria on LinkedIn and Facebook. Our website remains stepupnigeria.org. On any of those platforms, please reach out to us. We do hope that you enjoy this podcast. And we thank uh, Mrs. O for joining us and the briefing on the findings from this impact evaluation trial. Thank you. Thank you, Fermi.